Well, grab your Bibles. We're in chapter 3 of Joshua today. So in chapter 2, what happens? You have the story of Rahab and the wall and the spies. They go into the land and check it out. Ironically, God does not need the spies, but what He does want is that one family, the one family that eventually will be in the lineage of Christ. God plans the entire uh, events for one person sometimes. And that's what's so amazing. He sends these spies in and, and they meet this woman and makes an incredible statement of faith. And, uh, you know, so my question for you is, how did you meet the Lord? It may be easy to see that now, but back then, for some of you, it was a long road like Rahab. It is like, you, you, you know, when you meet your spouse, it happened like this or happened like that or, or you know, but do you remember at the beginning when you, 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 you met your spouse, uh, you know, those butterflies, the first kiss, the, you know, I, I can remember that uh, when, when I met Lisa and stuff, we started dating and, and, you know, I was working nights, literally I was working 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And then I would get up in the middle of my night, which was the middle of the day, I'd get up about uh, 10, 30 or 11, shower and all that, and I would drive 30 minutes um, to go meet her when she worked at NASA, and we would go to lunch. And, and uh, we, you know, I remember once we paid for lunch, and I'm taking her back, and, and I, you know, I'm thinking, or, or, or she was thinking, I don't even know if he really likes me. And I'm thinking, what do you mean I, I get up in the middle of my night to come see you? God sees the big picture, and He works everything out. So God... Uh, you know, he, he, he sends these spies to sneak in and, and they sneak back over the river during the night and Josh gets the, the briefing from these guys because God has not revealed to Joshua the whole picture. Why is it that God doesn't give us the whole picture? God would give us, you know, if He would give us this big picture, then we would say, thank you, God. Okay, great. See you next year. Uh, set, you know, we'll set up our yearly meeting and God knows this. He knows that if He gives us a little piece... We go and do it, and it works out, and then we'll come back for more. And he is such a, a great dad. He likes spending time with us. God loves us so much, he wants us to come to him. Just like I do, I, you know, I want my boys to be around me. I don't want them just, you know, be gone and, and, and not pay attention and stuff. I want, the, you know, I want the little guy sitting with me in the chair and, and, and playing on the iPad or whatever. One, I get to see what he's doing. But secondly, I like being around him. I like talking to my other son about all the computer stuff and all the technology stuff that he's really into, photography and other things. And God's the same way. He wants that conversation with us. So the spies give Joshua the report. The walls are about 18 feet thick. In fact, there's, there's two sets of walls, and there's people living in between these walls. So spies, how are we going to take this city? I don't know. You tell us. We have no clue. And Joshua's sitting there thinking, neither do I. But God said, we are going to take it. Chapter 3 says, verse 1, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shechem and went to the Jordan, where they were camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp. Now think about this for a second. They've been where for the last 40 years? There are a lot of rivers out there. There are a lot of wells. Oh, wait, wait, no, there's not because they were in the desert. So these guys had no need for swimming lessons. They're sitting there looking at this river. I could imagine them looking around and thinking, okay, I don't even know if we can get across this. 
You know, I, you know, I, I love the water. I, I, I've learned to, you know, at first I didn't like the ocean that much because I wasn't around the ocean a lot. Now I just love it to go out snorkeling and stuff. But, but rivers are, are an interesting thing. Um, I remember going down the Guadalupe. It's a nice, lazy river. You get your tube, and somebody takes you up to one point, and you jump in with your tube, and you float down the river, and you get out, and you get in your car, and you get it going, you know? But then there's rafting rivers. I was a youth pastor. I used to take my kids rafting all the time. Every summer, we would do a, a rafting trip. I remember one rafting trip, and some of you have heard this story before, but, it, but it's such a great story. I remember one rafting trip. We had this this sixth grader that was almost as tall as I am. I mean, he was a big boy. And we're sitting there rafting. We're having a great time. We're all laughing. We're having a good time. And, and finally, we get to this one point, and the, uh, the guide goes, hey, these are called swimming, raft, uh, uh, swimming rapids. You can just jump out of the boat and swim. And I'm thinking, ooh, I don't know. And Sean turns around and looks at me, the sixth grader, and goes, well, I'll go if you go. Well, I mean, being a man, I mean, somebody says that to you, what do you do? Well, I jumped in the water. So he jumped in the water, and we're going down these swimming raftings, uh, rafts, uh, rapids, and, and we're holding on to each other for dear life, and we're going up and down through the water, and, and, and we go through these really heavy, hard rafts, uh, you know, rapids and, and stuff, and, and we're just, at the very end, we're like, whoo, glad that's over. We're just laughing. And then all of a sudden, there was a three-foot drop, and we just go down in the water and all that. Oh, man. I mean, it was just, was not expecting it at all. And this is how it is. You look at this river, and you go, I'm not sure. Now, since they've developed the, uh, the land uh, today, this is really not a, a big river at all. But back then, this river was big. And it's at flood stage. And it's April for Joshua. Snow from, from Mount Hermon and the Golan Heights is melting. In fact, it's, it, it is about the April 10th for them right now. Or, you know, Passover time is here. And all we have to do is cross the river. So God has them sit and look at the river for three days. It has to be frustrating for them. Sometimes God just has us sit. Momentum is gone. And faith needs to be in the Lord. Human effort and energy needs to be in partnership with God, not on its own, because God does not, uh, or, or God does the work, not us. God does not want us to do all the work. So the first day, they're like, okay, out here by the river. Second day, rechecking everything for, for those, uh, you know, that are, that are already out there. We're just rechecking it. Got the list, making sure we got everything. Third day, okay, what's the plan? Honey, have you heard anything? No, 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 we'll go find out. I do know one thing. The longer you sit with the problem, the more negative usually we become. The Lord is allowing them to work through the neg negativity. He stays silent. He wants them to work through it. So he begins to have faith. You know, faith is a gift. And sometimes we have to sit with a problem to see how impossible it is. So God can show us who is really in control because when it works out, we know that it's God, it's not us. Here's a biblical concept for you. Between you and any promise of God, it is usually an uncrossable river. And that is how God works. Sometimes the enemy is in front of me, sometimes behind me. But I do know one thing. 
that when I cross the river, because he parts the water, then I get past it. He closes the river back up, so I can't go back. There is no turning back. Like those exits that spies, that have, I mean, that have the spikes. You know what I'm talking about? You don't drive back over them. But right now, they're just looking at the water. Hey, man, how fast do you think that water's moving? I mean, they're looking at their family. They're thinking, how is my family going to, you know... You don't think Joshua's planning on, on pulling a Moses here. I heard the stories of, of Egypt, but Joshua, he's not a Moses. I mean, I like the guy, but Moses, he is not. We're going to be here for a while waiting for, for, for it to part. So again, we see the biblical pattern of, of waiting for three days. Can you think of any other three-day things in the Bible? Well, you got the Old Testament with Jonah. You have the New Testament Christ rises from the dead. Usually it takes us about three days to give up on something, and that's when God comes walking in. Verse 2, it goes on, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the priest, who are the Levites, carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. Since you have never been this way, but keep a distance of a thousand yards between you and the ark. It's like a half mile. Do not go near it. Here's what's happening and how I think it relates to us. When God moves, we should allow Him to get out ahead of us far enough that we don't mess it up. Now, the ark has not been seen by most of the people. They would have almost been clamoring to see it. It has been, you know, in the Holy of Holies. And people haven't seen it. The ark has only been seen by one person and, and, and one time every year, the high priest. It contained three things, the Ten Commandments, the bowl of manna, and Aaron's rod that budded. Now, the Ten Commandments represented the Word of God, calls himself the Word. In fact, John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Then we have the manna. Interesting, since manna spoiled every night for the Israelites, God provided food for them for 40 years, and He's fixing to stop. They just don't know it yet. This concept is, is very holy to God. He is saying, I will provide for you. Central core of who He is. And, and you can't worship God until you understand that. This is what our Creator would say. But we're so worried about our stuff, and it affects us in our worship. So we see that word, you know, is holy, and the provision is holy that He provides for us. And the third thing is, is Aaron's rod. It's a little rod. It's less than four foot long. You know, uh, the, the children of God were questioning the leadership of the church, and, and we don't understand this in our modern world, of course, because we never, you know, question things at all in our leadership. But what was happening was a group was saying, we're going to go back to Egypt. And they found everyone who, who agreed, and they started a union. So God took those leaders and Aaron, uh, and both had these sticks, and overnight Aaron's, you know, budded into almond blossoms. And you know what Aaron, Aaron was thinking? This is so cool. i got to put this in the ark. God was saying something. I anoint the leadership, so deal with it. And I will mold them 
Israel was not a democracy. So you had uh, the Word of God, you had the provision of God, and you had the leadership of God. Then you had this lid that was a mercy seat. Some of these guys had seen a pharaoh on a, on a golden throne, but this seat was not a seat for man. None, none, of, uh, none of you can sit on it. None of, no one could even get, you know, sit on it like that. Not even Moses. He's like, I'm not even going to let Moses see it every day. And this mercy seat, it represents his mercy that's between us and the law. Because if we have to follow the law, we can't meet the law, so therefore death comes. What did the ark represent? The presence and blessing of God. Much like how the world treats oil. Arabs see oil as a blessing of their God. God has the ark lead Israel into the promise. Before Israel would have picked someone else if it was up to them. Because they would have just gone, no, 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 no. I No, we need, priests aren't going to go in front. We need fighters out front. You need and have to be led by God. You know where I would have picked if I got to choose where I should, should be a pastor? Three guesses. Okay, you only really need one. Hawaii. They need God just as much as, as you need Him, right? Why not? Well, that's not in God's plans yet. I'm still hoping. But I, I don't know. Maybe so. I'd love to pay, be a pastor there. But God hasn't told me to go there. So, you know, he's basically saying you will see this ark and you need to leave some space in between because you have never been there before. Verse 5, it says, Joshua told his people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do an amazing thing among you. I have heard from the Lord. Now consecrate yourself. Clean up, guys. God is talking to Josh and Josh is talking to the people. Sanctified or consecrate yourselves, he tells them. Focus your energy and purity on God. This is washing up that needed to happen. The word abstain, uh, you know, means for, uh, abstain from, from doing certain things. And, and, you know, they were saying you need to clean up so you can get right with God before we do this. So here they are next to the river. Time to purify themselves. Leave everything here that doesn't need to go. All the dirt on this side of the Jordan needs to stay on this side of the Jordan. Now apply this to our lives. I believe there are Christians today, maybe even listening today, that still have dirt from the desert. Which side of the Jordan are you stuck on? Because you refuse to cleanse yourself of that dirt. You need to be willing to let Jesus Christ wash it away. I don't know what it is. I don't know what to, to I, you know, in fact, I don't even want to know what it is. But if you want to go into the promised land, then you have got to purify yourself. Consecrate yourselves, he says, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Verse 6, Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And you will see the face pass on or cross over 31 times. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And, on the, and the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the, in the eyes of all of Israel, so that you may know, or they may know, that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. 
verse 9, Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you are to know that the living God is among you, and that He will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Pezzarites, the Gigashites, the Amorites, and the Jejubites. See the ark of the covenant of the Lord uh, of all. The earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. I messed up that verse completely. Let me say that again. So the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. And this is a powerful time for Israel. God starts to move toward the river that is physically moving. And this is another biblical principle. God moves us toward things that look impossible, like a moving river or a brick wall. And He says, follow me. And we're like, um, 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 Lord, I, I have a question. Or actually, I, I got a statement. Do you see that wall over there? I mean, I know you're busy and all, so you probably just missed it. Whew. I mean, it's a good thing I'm here, Lord, to be able to tell you. I mean, Lord, you would have walked right into that wall. And I know the laws of thermodynamics. I mean, I had a wife that studied all that stuff, and I had to listen to her complain about the teacher of the class. So, so I know some of the stuff, Lord. And the Lord says to us, just keep walking. Come on, walk. When, when all you want to say, or, or, or we all say that we want this, this great walk with the Lord, yet we refuse to move when He says walk. This is, you know, this is like the game Simon Says. You all know the game, right? Let's try it out over TV. Let's try it out. Simon Says, shake your head if you know the game. Now stop. Okay, some of you don't know the game because you kept shaking your head, right? God says, do something, and, we're do, and we should be doing it, and we're doing it. And everyone else around us kind of stops, and they're looking at us, and they're like, why don't you stop? And our response should be, well, God hasn't told me to yet. But they believe He has. So now we have a choice. Do I stop looking like an idiot to them, or do I follow God. Now, the great thing about God is when we mess up and stop, He doesn't kick us out of the game. We get to continue. He, he works with us. He teaches us. God wants us to what they call is a bar. It's the word to pass on or to cross. A very interesting word to, to see it in one variation and another 31 times here. So I looked it up. It means to pass by or to pass through to go past, or to pass beyond, or to overtake. So here the ark of God is passing by them. I'm going, are you going with me? It also means to march, or to advance, or to make progress. It means to carry, it, you know, also to leave something, or to get past something, to be over it and done with it, to get on to something new. This is a, a neat Hebrew word that has so many different kind of nuances to it. And God uses it a lot right here on purpose. It means to immigrate, to leave one country and go to another country. It is a, the process is involved in the journey. And we have to a bar to get to the next part of life. Some of you may be at that point today. You have to get over something to be able to advance forward. And God says now, so we go. 
And this is what the, the word crossing means. It's a covenant word. Used, used it with Abraham as he passed through the covenant. I've been here. I promise this to you. God will never make you advance somewhere that he has not, uh, never been. We have, a, we have a great high priest who understands our situation. What that means is he has gone there before us. And there's, and there's fear that goes with it. Verse 12, it says, Now then, choose 12 men of the tribes of Israel, one for each tribe. And as soon as the priest who will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, remember, he made this river, guys, he's telling them, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke out from you know, camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead. Now the Jordan is at flood stage, you know, all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a call, I mean, <coughs> at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zetharan. While the water flowing down the, the Sea of Arbath, the other words, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. Folks, it's not even muddy in this story. This is the, the weird part. It can't explain this as a natural thing. You can't say, well, this happened, that happened. No earthquake caused the water to, to flow a different direction. No wind caused it to, to stop. This is not a natural thing. In fact, it was completely dry. And where did the water pile up? At a, play, you know, a town called Adam. It was 10 miles up the river, 10 miles away. They can't even see it. Now, why would God do it this way? Much more impressive to see the water right there. I mean, this wall of water, right? But 10 miles away? Well, think about it this way. Where do people live? Where there's water, especially before the invention of plumbing. Who is living near the water? All the Canaanite people. Well, God, what God are they celebrating right now? the river flood God. And all of a sudden, something is controlling their God. Why this way? Well, first off, Joshua needed confirmation from God that God was behind him. Joshua was one of the kids of the original Exodus, seen Moses, uh, you know, and I don't know if I can lead like him. I can imagine him thinking. But now he has confirmation too. This is 10 miles worth of civilization that sees this. And they're thinking, we're in trouble. We've been worshiping the wrong God. We've been sacrificing our firstborn children, you know, uh, you know or how terrible that is. We've been doing that into the flames in order to worship our God Molech and our God Baal. Opening, you know, opening up people who were alive and taking out their intestines and throwing them at the altar. I mean, I'm not trying to gross you out. I, I, I just want you to understand who were there. God has been putting up with this for 400 years. So to start feeling sorry for these people when justice comes, it's not fair. There's no reason to do this to them. No, God has been trying for 400 years to get their attention. Well, how do you know that, Alan? Well, you see Rahab. 
She saw, she understood, she understood what happened, you know, 40 years ago. She, you know, they've heard all these stories. God has been trying to get their attention. If you were God, would you have given them 400 years? <laughs> we actually see God bringing a slow, you know, being, being slow to anger here, which is a biblical concept. Here they, you know, they're ready to cross. The most valuable piece of furniture is the first to go. And they're fixing to go out into a river. And you could imagine them going, you mean just go in with it. I mean, the rocks are, are going to be slippery here. I don't want to drop God here because they're, you know, carrying the ark and they're thinking God, you know. Imagine if they did the conversation. Well, what happened? Well, we, we dropped it. The Ten Commandments, they fell out. I think they're about a mile down the river now. Aaron's rod got stuck in the mud over there. I mean, you can find it. Probably became a tree now. I think I see buds on it or something. The fish got the manna. I mean, it's a big mess right now, right? So the priests are sitting there thinking, you, you mean we have to get our feet wet? All they know is they have to go out into the water, willing to look stupid because they are trusting in God, hoping that the ark will float if something happens. You have to feel for these guys. They're in leadership, and they have to get into the water, not knowing what would happen. But with God, it all works out. They find themselves on dry ground. God knows how hard it is to walk by faith. I would love to see the video of this one day, wouldn't you? I mean, the look on the priest's face and the happy look on God's face when they actually did it, you know, because the priest is sitting there going, okay, I'm not sure. But then they step into it and, the, you know, the ground just goes, goes dry. And he's probably just jumping for joy while causing earthquakes all over the world, you know. And he's going, look at that. Their mom and dads would have never done that. You know, the, the ones that had to die in the desert because they were unwilling to go. Look at that. Hey, Gabriel, come over here. I, wanted, I want you to see this. He's a father that is so proud of them. That same father has the same proud feeling when we step out in faith. When you step out in faith, you know, maybe it's just a small thing or maybe it's a huge thing. But I do know that God has the same response. He's so proud of us when we step out in faith. What do you need to step out in faith today? What faith walk or river do you, do you need to step up to today? Because he is watching and celebrating when we begin that uh, progress uh, and the process. They have no clue what is on the other side. Just that God wants them to get over there and receive his promise. You see, we can't receive the promise unless we are willing. Purify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord uh, will do amazing things through you. Are you willing to step out in faith on the promise of God? That is the question for you today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for showing us a man like Joshua and, and all those that worked along beside him, all the priests who are willing to step out in faith. We, we thank you for, for having others go before us to give us those examples that we may be able to say, if they can do it, we can do it too, because we trust you, Lord. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. May he be gracious to you and be ever so happy when you step out in faith. 
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You guys have a great week.